now joined uh, by Samuel Moyne. Thank you so much, Sam, for uh, for joining me today. Do you want to uh, introduce yourself? Sure. I'm. Uh, I teach history and law at Yale, and I've uh, you know been a teacher for most of my adult life. So not much else to say. <laughs> written a few books. Okay, written some books. You know, uh, written some articles. Done. Uh, um, thoughts and thoughts so let's talk about some of them uh right now um so uh as you uh probably haven't heard there's uh there's an election coming up a uh, week after next uh so uh usually in those um uh one of like there's a there's a kind of traditional argument that uh that happens on the left that's like this this extremely well-established tradition and everybody knows what their scripts are about, you know, lesser evils and third parties and stuff like that. And um, uh, one of the, um, you know, one of the traditional moves in that argument is to talk about the, uh, the Supreme court uh, because that seems like one of the, mo that's usually seen as like one of the most like clear cut things that's at stake, you know, that the, the uh, uh, a lot of other things you think, okay, well, you know, maybe Democrat X, you know, says they'll do this or that, but you know, come on, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Uh, but um, generally speaking, you'd have to go back, you know, certainly in recent history, um, you know, Democrats appoint liberal justices to the Supreme Court and they basically know what their social views are. Uh, Republicans basically appoint conservative justices to the Supreme Court. They know what their social views are and, and, that's something that you know the the vacancies themselves you can't predict, but uh, but that's something you know will happen. So it's something that often really has pride of place in it. But now we're in a really uh, uh, different position with all of that because um, uh, because of Amy Coney Barrett. So uh, so the Republicans are going to have a six to three. Uh, majority on the Supreme Court, and short of some sort of Pelican brief scenario, it's really hard to see uh you know how that would how that you know how that could possibly you know flip in the next four or even or even eight years it seems uh it seems just extraordinarily unlikely you know given those numbers and i think that's getting some people thinking more about how to think about you know the the role of of this institution um i mean before we get into the the deeper waters just just at a really basic level uh do you think there's any chance whatsoever that Joe Biden would actually uh, expand the number of seats on the court? You know, I, I doubt it. Um, it's, um, it, it was notable that last week he, having announced that um, court packing so-called would be a boneheaded move, um, he was in a sense pressured into announcing the formation of some commission um, that would study um, the options and he actually referenced the availability of options that go further than court packing. You know, most of us assume that it's a hot potato. He, he, he's, he's, he's just buying time. And of course we know that whenever you've got any um, problem that you just want swept under the rug, you, you form a committee. Right. Um, still, you know, any process can be, you know, watched with interest and can be um, made, um, can be made something that we um, take in, in our own direction. But no, I, 
I, I, I don't think that uh, it's, it's very, it's imaginable that Joe Biden will call for court packing. The only possibility, I suppose, is that enough people agree that he should get two extra seats because of Mitch McConnell. It's, it's like a way of confining the remedy. Yeah. And actually, in the face of even more radical approaches that some people, as he himself noted, have been calling for, it could be that a very modest pack emerges as like the option that the center embraces. And we have seen some kind of formerly right-wing now, I suppose we could call them centrists, um, you know, just as an example, Jennifer Rubin, um, a Washington Post, one time neocon, later never Trumper, kind of, you know, embraced the possibility of court packing. So yeah. like the fact that this got associated with Trump means that there there is a space to exploit and we have to see like what are what are the possibilities um, after election day. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so, so there's kind of a separate discussion. Like, so there's, okay, what, um, you know, what would Biden do? What do liberals think that he should do? Uh, but then, uh, but then there's a, there's a separate discussion about, you know, what would happen if, um, if the left took power, if, uh, if, you know, there was some, you know, there was a, you know, President AOC or, you know, some really right. miraculous anti-aging treatments, you know, uh, sure. let us have Bernie again, or, you know, so, you know, one of these, uh, one of these scenarios. Uh, and, of, and of course, uh, the, the drift now of, of the Supreme Court makes what always seemed like a, you know, a serious problem in that scenario seem even more likely. Uh, which is that uh, which is that the support court would come up with you know some creative reason to say that Medicare for all was unconstitutional um, etc right you know and 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 there's and there's a question about about what we would want done about that and then I think the kind of deeper thing that gets into is um, is what we think um, you know, like, like there's, there's the, there's the kind of tactical question about like what you do in the, in the immediate sense, you know, about this institution blocking, you know, immediate reforms. But then there's also the kind of principal question about like, do we even want this kind of institution playing this role at all? And, and you've, and you've argued that we really don't. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the funny thing about court packing is that, um, given how rapidly it's become a kind of mainstream option, it's also helped reveal that it's also a kind of restorationist option in many of its guises. Um, because the, the basic idea seems to be that the problem is that McConnell intervened and the solution is to put the court back on its pedestal, restore the situation um, of a few years ago, really, like the status quo, Neil Gorsuch, um, anti Neil Gorsuch, and and you know that was already intolerable with all the adverse rulings to uh, you know labor unions and the kind of pro business, pro corporate jurisprudence that even the people we call liberals on the court right. shared. So I agree that like the framework ought to be um, not not one that's necessarily focused on January. Um, not only because um, 
you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen, but because we can guess that Joe Biden's legislative agenda will be, you know, better than usual, but modest relative to what um, progressives are demanding. Just that's the kind of person he is and that's the kind of staffers he'll have. So we should think of this as a generational campaign, looking forward to the opportunity to save you know, the country in, in some scenario where there's this window um, for a Green New Deal that if it's not, you know, if, it, if that opportunity is not arranged and seized, you know, it's, it's lost and with, you know, extremely dire consequences and big thinking about economic inequality and, so, and racial justice and so many other topics that Biden's not going to touch are available to us if there's a political movement. And then the question is, how do they survive um, even a kind of restored Supreme Court? And so, yeah, you're right that um, some of us trying to like think ahead about that scenario, which is not immediate, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a, but it's eventual given that the world's burning and, um, and that a generation is is in revolt against the kind of orthodoxies of 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 you know elders on the council of elders or off it. Um, how do we protect a, a progressive agenda when it, when it does materialize? And I think um, you know we can get into the details, but you know the question should not be how do we restore the Supreme Court to what it was. Um, there was no golden age, only a series of dark ages, maybe a little bit, you know, of dusk around the Warren court, less pitch black. But um, what we should be thinking about is how do we um, make a court safe for democracy? Yeah. So, I mean, you brought, you brought through the Warren court and I think that's really useful because I think, I think what a lot of progressives think about this, they think about the kinds of rulings that, uh, the court was making in that era on civil rights and criminal defendants, you know, and, and they think, oh, well, this is like obviously an institution that plays this really valuable role that, uh, that, and so, so we really need that. And, you know, maybe we need to do something to fix, you know, the way it is now, but we, we basically need to have the Supreme Court doing what the Supreme Court does. But a point that I've seen you make about this is that, um, is, is that really uh, that, like, that era of the Supreme Court historically is kind of an aberration anyway. And brief and superficial. So uh, even on its own terms, when we look at it, let's say, you know, in, in the harsh light of, of where we've ended up, um, it didn't deliver the goods. Uh, and, you know, it, it was enabled to make its moves by popular mobilization since lost. And when when kind of hopes were transferred to it, pinned on it, it failed us. Um, and for reasons we can readily understand. So um, I, I don't want to trivialize some of the things that happened then, but we're really dealing with like a 10 year period. And, you know, the empire struck back and it struck back hard from within the court, um, you know, notably after 1969 when Warren Burger became Chief Justice, and Richard Nixon made some transformative appointments that really, um, you know, set up the conditions for a return of segregated schools, 
um, Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973, but in the places where um, it wouldn't um, be be possible to mount a majority for abortion right, it, those rights are almost gone um, in practice. Um, you know, criminal cr the criminal process, I think, um, is one that um, w the Warren Court did a lot chiefly by imposing amendments to the Constitution that were for the federal government on the states um, and therefore on localities. But, you know, the court has not lifted a finger in response to um, mass incarceration or police violence. It's, it's, it's like, um, you know, uh, uh, some norms that come into play sometimes in, in you know, the, the course of a potential Americans, um, you know, day, but so many other areas that could lead that day to go wrong and lead that person to end up, you know, less frequently dead, but more often in jail if they're African American, um, are really like st still, you know, carte blanche for the carceral state. So I, I, I don't want to trivialize, but I also don't, I want to make sure we don't exaggerate and remember that, um, you know, the power that we romanticize in the court um, has always been and is now being used for baleful ends. And so, you know, I conclude that um, not that um, taking its power away will make for, you know, a, a nirvana perfection. Wow. It, 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 it removes the, the false reliance on this institution to make a better world, which is up to us. Yeah, so, uh, you know, because it, it is certainly important looking back at this to realize that, uh, you know, even if what we most remember are the times when the Supreme Court, um, you know, stood up for, uh, for, for civil rights uh, and, and important, you know, legal rights, that, uh, that just as often, right, you can find cases where, uh, where it's, it's taking them away, right? You know, Way more often. Yeah. Now, remember that Brown v. Board of Education 1954 was undoing the court's own work in Plessy v. Ferguson. And, you know, what the court did, at, like, let's not even get into the, what happened before the Civil War, but after the Civil War, the court uh, was just deadly for the, the, you know, then Republican attempt to protect Black people in the South. And you know, really eviscerated the post-Civil War amendments for especially the 14th Amendment, um, but also the 15th on voting. So, um, you know, it, it, it ended up undoing some of that work in the 1950s and 60s, but not a lot. And a lot of those old precedents um, that, that have, have made it very difficult for us to achieve um, racial and gender and other justice like those precedents remain on the books and like the central amendment we have to provide social justice in the country has been really hobbled by a court that never like atoned um so i just think um you know and and then we you know not to get into this but you huh. know we do have some other rights that we care about like free speech but those right. have become like corporate friendly um, or, you know, in, you know, the, the 
right to free exercise of religion has become like a shield against anti-discrimination law for people who want to hate and so forth. So we're talking about a lot of power to bad ends. And I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's even a close call once you put, you know, stuff on both sides of the ledger. Right. Uh, it's, and, and of course that it's, becomes even more baleful. Yeah. Right. And of course that becomes even more dramatically obvious when we ex like expand out the lens to start talking about the workplace where the, uh, the Supreme court has been almost uniformly awful uh, throughout, uh, throughout its history. Um, but then if, if the solution is, is to say, I mean, and of course, you know, obviously there's a difference between what the end goal is and, you know, how to, how to get there. Right. You know, cause uh, it's much, much, much easier said than done. But if we, but if, if the, um, you know, if the long-term goal is, is, is just to, to take away this power of the Supreme court to, to say that, look, we, uh, um, you know, that the, Supreme Court took for itself, and you know Marbury versus Madison, uh, the uh, the authority to uh, to overturn democratically passed passed laws. Uh, this power is nowhere hinted at in the Constitution, uh, and so we can have a Supreme. You know, of course, you need a Supreme Court as the highest court of appeal, but you know you, you certainly don't need uh, you certainly don't need to give it this kind of power of judicial review. Um, then I think that a lot of people, you know when they hear this, they'll, they'll, they'll sort of panic uh, for some good reasons because they'll think, well, well, wait a second, but, uh, but what about, uh, you know, these, these various rights that, uh, that the Supreme court has, has, has intervened to, to give us or to protect, you know, against, uh, against legislatures, uh, you know, from, um, you know, abortion, criminal defendants, you know, et cetera. And, uh, and if, um, you know, if we're not going to have that Supreme Court in that role, right, then how are we going to protect that? I mean, after all, right, like we, uh, you know, we win elections, we lose elections. And, uh, sure. and, and, and so even when you even when you tell a lot of people, a lot of good progressive people with these concerns, right, even even when you kind of remind them of all the times that uh, that the Supreme Court has uh, has actually uh, eviscerated civil rights protections, for example, right? You know, they, they're still more concerned with the scenario where uh, some future legislative conservative majority uh, wants to do something really horrible that we that we would currently think that the Supreme Court would stop it from doing. And so, so I think that the the kind of the challenge, right? You know, for this for this position is to say, okay, well, in that scenario. Uh, what's what's Plan B? Like if the uh, if if there was a uh, I don't know if if some future uh, you know Republican dominated government you know just just passed a law uh, to um, you know just do the most obvious one right to 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 federally uh, ban abortion uh, then if we if we don't have the Supreme Court to save us what will Sure. Uh, no, I mean, okay. So th there, there are nightmare scenarios like all democracies, no matter how many counter majoritarian checks they have are susceptible to um, implosion. And there's, there's no way of um, providing some kind of ultimate guarantee um, that that won't ever happen um, or that big reversals won't happen. No one's claiming that. Um, 
the question is, let's look closely at the record of this institution with its current power. Um, and should we take seriously the risks that it pose to um, extant law? I mean, you know, even like milk toast innovations like the Affordable Care Act, let alone some of the future innovations that progressives hope for. Um, so, uh, you know, they're to, to, to kind of hew to the civics class version of the Supreme Court, you're really talking about some really narrow conditions. Um, like if the general story is that it's baleful um, the, and the, the, the nightmare scenario is one that would sweep the courts in you know, like happened under Nazi Germany, where the jurists were some of the most Nazified, and the courts were were far from providing a break on terror, you know, abetting it. You have to have some narrow scenario where, like, the court ends up being powerful enough to stave off terrible outcomes, but, um, you know, um, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it somehow has, has avoided getting swamped by the, you know, the, the rising tide of evil. And it's, it's it, it just like, that's never happened. I just want to make clear though, for any listeners that we're yeah. not talking about all or nothing. Yeah. Um, I personally would not abolish the Supreme Court um, not least because unless we get rowdy with the Constitution, like one of the only things that's said about the judiciary in the Constitution is that there has to be a Supreme Court. Um, but, you know, one initial distinction to make is about state versus federal majorities. Yeah. So there's no reason we can't conclude that the Constitution is very clear that there's going to be federal preemption of state um, mistakes. Um, whether by federal statute or because states transgress constitutional norms that are in the federal, you know, constitution. And you could reserve that arrangement we have while still saying if a national majority wants to go a certain way, the Supreme Court should not have the power to stand in its way in the name of the constitution. You can also even with that narrow power, you're leaving, um, you know, the, the, the Supreme Court to, to help control the states and state majorities um, without, you know, obstructing federal majorities. You can say, well, maybe we ought to design it so that sometimes it can have room to act in the face of, you know, some terrible right-wing majority. Now, if we do that, it means that the right can mobilize it to oppose what they will see as a baleful left-wing national majority, which is on the way. Right. Um, but we could use like a supermajority rule to say, well, we, we leave room for the Supreme Court to invalidate federal law, um, not just state law, but only under the, the you know, narrow and rare circumstance that all the justices agree, or most, you know, a, a super majority of them agree that some fundamental constitutional norm has been transgressed. But if we allow it to be five to four, especially now that there are six conservatives up there, you're basically saying the right can rule from the Supreme Court for as long as it sustain a majority there, notwithstanding 
the the immense you know democratic majority that's coming online in the political branches. So, um, I I I think there it's really important to acknowledge and you know I know this is long, but that there can be mistakes, there can be terrors to which democracy leads. I think they're much rarer than anyone thinks. Usually, democracy is so-called is a mask for for um, empowered minorities, not majorities. But um, you know, no one's claiming perfection. And if if there's some concern that we ultimately need an empowered Supreme Court, remember it's a double-edged sword, but that some of the damage it does can be maybe confined much more than it is now for those scenarios when it really should um, be able to exert power. Yeah, no, that, 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 makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, one really strange thing about this, this discussion is that a lot, um, a lot of, a lot of progressives have, you know, what you called earlier, this, this, you know, civics class idea about the, uh, the role of, uh, of judicial review that, uh, that the, that the court, like functions as this defense of vulnerable, you know, minorities against, uh, uh, against, you know, intolerant majorities. And of course, as you point out, historically, the, uh, the minority that the, the courts are most likely to, uh, to, uh, to stop uh, majoritarian legislation to protect is, is the rich, right? You know, the, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but the, there's also something a little funny in the, the tension between the way that a lot of people continue to have that picture of what the Supreme Court is that, you know, we need this thing that's basically like standing outside politics, calling constitutional balls and strikes, um, and, and this belief that it'll have that role. Uh, at the same time, uh, as, as so many progressives are now willing to just talk, uh, talk about, um, Packing it, not like, and in, in many in many cases, right? You know, they don't just seem to have in mind the sort of restorationist scenario you talked about, where um, you know we can uh, add to uh, add to justices to make up for the the damage done by Mitch McConnell, and then you know that that brings us to um, uh, to six five, uh, you know. But but in many cases, right? You know, like a lot a lot of people, I think, especially you know people with more robustly left-wing views when they talk about court packing they, they seem to have in mind like you know not something narrow like that but like really like you know packing it to yeah. in order so that there wouldn't be any sort of of conservative majority at all uh, or or you know maybe sure. even like you know that just to, to make sure that it that that court would have the outcomes that we want to have wanted to have and i mean it's maybe kind of a trivial obvious point but it, like there is the there's a really weird tension between those two views because of course if you if we can do that right you know uh then in all of your nightmare scenarios where uh where some uh where some future conservative uh you know government is about to pass a bunch of horrible legislation um why wouldn't the nightmare future president and senate just pack the Supreme Court in order to in order to go along with that terrible legislation. Absolutely, I mean it's it's really quite confusing, um, you know, because there would be an immense fight. I mean, really, even around the modest court pack, but around the kind of um, the the you know the big the big um, dream of you know 
30 justices or whatever, um, it, it would be, there would be an extraordinary pushback and um, not that maybe the left couldn't win, but to what end? What? Because after all, it's using political capital that it could use for the sake of actual um, legislative um, progress and um, all that we would want the you know umpteen judges to do is get out of the way of the legislature you know it it is troubling that maybe some people think that there are these windows of opportunity and um we we have to seize them to basically take over the court and entrench our values um not in 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 like you know um long-term majority rule, which feels more evanescent, but in this council of elders that will, let's say, rule for our sakes so that we can bury our heads in the sand. And if the right should win, they'll, yeah. they'll still be there. Um, I think this is delusional because um, for, for many reasons, not the first and most important of which is um, the Supreme Court um, cannot do progressive policy for us, right. um, especially when it comes to state provision. Um, there's just like no reason to believe that any Supreme Court, no matter how constituted, um, would like provide a welfare state, right. would legislate a Green New Deal, um, would attack the, the rich, you know, through, you know, sufficient taxation. Um, and so what we really have in mind, I guess, in this fantasy is that, um, like this beneficent class of platonic guardians would, um, like dec decree that, um, you know, that, that certain of the most egregious acts of state power should stop. But again, is that, is given its record, even at the zenith of liberal power under the Warren court, is it, is it likely to end mass incarceration or police violence or, or, or rather don't we need like a movement to say, you know, communities should think about safety in a different way, um, should think about, you know, how goods and services are provided um, in a different way I mean, all of that is hard work. It's perpetual work. And, and the Supreme Court cannot do it in, under any scenario. And so to me, like, it's just bewildering that you, you would try this, like you, you'd, you'd make your big bet on the Supreme Court, given its record, um, even, at, even in the best of times, let alone, you know, for most of American history. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's a really crucial point because if if we don't like if we can't rely on on the supreme court for uh for some of our the most pressing like i mean never mind right you know building a you know building a welfare state right which which clearly you know a court can't do uh it can obstruct uh and and it has done done that sort of thing many times and and uh it certainly will, given any effort to to carry out, you know, even like a robustly social democratic agenda. But um, 
but it can't, it can't, it can't do that. But not only that, but it's, but the most pressing um, civil rights issues, right? You know, like, like ones about around police violence, uh, it's clearly not going to do much about, uh, which, which means that if we are going to do anything about those things, uh, it's going to have to happen through alternative mechanisms anyway, right? You know, that, that, that we, we, that's going to have to happen politically and at the grassroots. Uh, and, and then it seems like once you've made that, that leap, uh, it's, it's much more natural to say, uh, well, look, uh, of course, uh, there's, there's no, uh, you could have, you know, future, you know, future legislative majorities, you know, who, who could try to take away uh, all sorts of important rights, including rights that at the, at its best moments, you know, maybe the Supreme Court has defended. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we do like, like the options aren't the Supreme Court sticks up for those rights or nobody does. Yeah, I, I think a lot depends on your kind of, you know, m beliefs about how politics works. And I, essentially, I think the, the kind of Supreme Court stands of our, you know, country have the view that, first of all, majority rule is very dangerous. Um, and it's so hard to construct it for, for, good, for, for good ends that what it ought to do in power is to entrench um, its values in, uh, in, a, in a kind of, you know, ju judicial caste. Uh, and then it doesn't much matter um, that the inevitable happens, that you lose your kind of energy and, you know, your majority starts to kind of erode because you've, you've used the opportunity to establish power um, in a longer term way on the, on, 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 on the Supreme Court. And, you know, I, I just think these are um, kind of implausible views on their face. For one thing, if we have majority rule and it turns out to be tyrannical, we can, we can figure out, you know, why, but that hasn't happened yet right. in a certain sense. Um, could we at least get rid of minority rule and without forgetting that courts and the Supreme Court in particular have been the, the agent of that rule. And then I don't, I don't think there's any alternative to kind of maintaining majority energy because most of the most important political outcomes are things only movements forcing majorities and, and legislatures in their name can provide. And the fact that they're, majorities are transient doesn't mean there's some alternative to building and rebuilding them. So um, that, that ought to be our view. And actually it was the standard progressive view in the United States with its powerful Supreme Court was viewed as this reactionary outlier by the global left and the American left until um, the middle of the 20th century. And I think we have to get back to what used to be like the conventional view that um, progress is democratic, not, not um, provided some other way. Thank you so much, Sam. This has been really good. Thanks for having me. All right, bye. Okay.